the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into our third hour in a field of study that was based on common sense. This man is more responsible for restoring that common sense than almost anyone I can think of. You know him from his columns in the Wall Street Journal. You know him from his books. You know him as the co-founder of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. You know him from Fox News. He is Steve Moore. Steve, welcome back to the airwaves of Phoenix. Thanks for joining us. Hey, yes, Doctor. So good to be with you. Thanks for having me on. You betcha. Yeah, we're doing a lot here in Arizona, and yeah, we're doing a lot. And you just put out a study, you and a colleague of yours at the committee, to unleash prosperity on the uh, flat tax proposal here in um, Arizona that uh, our governor is pushing. Tell us about it. Well, it's a great plan, and it'll do a lot of good. We estimate about a quarter million new jobs over the next. uh, over the next uh, 10 years if this is enacted. And it's looking good, Doc. I talked to the governor yesterday. He says he thinks he has the votes, but we need that big final push. <laughs> you know, we need to make sure that I think they're one vote. You know, they got one vote that's there, so it's going to be very close. But, my goodness, this would really, you know, when when they passed that proposition, two, two, what was it, 208, mm-hmm. you know, yep. um, Arizona went from being one of the lowest tax states to the one, one of the 10 highest income tax states, and yep. that's not what you want to be. You know, you're up there with Connecticut and Illinois and states like that. So uh, this, will, this will bring you back in the, in the neighborhood of the lower tax states, and Arizona will continue to flourish. So it's a uh, um, real opportunity to, uh, by the way, I think it'll set an example for other states. You know, the red states right now are just blowing away the blue yep. states. Yep. You know, the, the unemployment rates just came out by state um, today. And the 10 states with the highest unemployment rates, every one of them has a Democratic government. Yeah, these are Democratic states that BLS uh, puts out. I think it's the BLS. Yeah. I've seen these lists before, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's an amazing thing to see what those top 10 and bottom 10 are. And it's an amazing thing, too, Steve, to watch the rest of the, I know I didn't call you on this, but as long as we're on it, it's an amazing t- thing, too, to watch the rest of the um, liberal politicians or left-wing politicians think it's the rest of the country's responsibility to bear them out for their mis- and non- and malfeasance, don't you think? Yeah, so we that's a great point, Seth. And so, you know, that $1.9 trillion spending bill we passed, you know, that absurd um, bill that, that Biden uh, signed into law with only Democratic votes, that bill was mostly just a blue state bailout. Right. You know, most of the money went to California, right. Illinois, New York, Connecticut, New Jersey. And, you know, I have to laugh. There was a big article in the Bloomberg the other day about how California is the number one state in the country on the economy, which is a joke. <laughs> yeah. The third highest unemployment rate in the country. But the other thing that was such a joke about that is California, the only reason their economy 
you know, recovered at all is because they got massive amounts of federal money from people in other states. I mean, how pathetic is it? California has to go to West Virginia and ask for money. Right, exactly <laughs> right. No, but that's exactly right. And it's an offense to, I, th- I think it's an offense not only to people who live there and have to deal with it, but it's an offense to also common sense. A lot of us just weren't going along with the ideas that these blue states were going along with that, uh, that immolated them. But let me take you back to Arizona for a second on this flat tax proposal, which I love. Mm-hmm. I have to tell yeah. you, I've uh, been a yeah. flat tax supporter since exactly 1996. You can probably figure yeah, out right. why that magical year mattered. <laughs> but the argument, Steve, 2.5%, is it enough to cover our budget and expenses? You hear that argument all the time. Talk, talk to me about that. Yeah, I mean, look, I talked to the government about this. They, you have, by the way, you got actually a lot of federal money, too. I yep. mean, it, was, it was just a big, you know, a big uh, game of kabuki. You know, this money, it's all this, quote, free money from the federal government. Yep. But, of course, the federal government can only give the state's money if it takes it from the Yeah, that's right. that's right. Obviously, the federal government doesn't produce anything. And so, uh, yeah, combined with the fact that the Arizona economy is still doing really well and the fact that you got this money from uh, Washington is... Uh, is going to cover that deficit. And by the way, if you don't do the cash cut, then the problem with these states is they're going to have what's called a big bubble in their in their budget. So they'll spend all the money they got from Washington, but that's a one-time thing. And then next year comes along, you know, they've created all these programs. <laughs> you know, they don't have the money to cover it. So this is the wise thing to do. And uh, we think it's going to help. Uh, by the way, the people at the lower end of the ladder will benefit the most because you're going to create a lot of new jobs here. And, and you know, the lower-income people will see pay raises. So, it, and, and by the way, it's just I was so devastated when the Arizona voters passed that, two, well, that Prop 208 because it, it was a real setback. And this, this reverses a lot of the negative effects of that. Good. Uh, on that point, kind of a kind of a mutuality of interests here. Uh, you made some news uh, this past week by endorsing uh, a candidate for governor in Karen Taylor Robeson. She has an op-ed in the Arizona Republic today on this as well. She mm-hmm. writes that experience demonstrates lower, flatter rates encourage corporate investment, job growth, and opportunity. You agree with that wholeheartedly, don't you? Of course, I do. You know, you know me. That's a trick question, right? <laughs> I, was a, I thought you may have had a bad day, Steve, so I just kind of lob one over the net for you there. <laughs> it's late in the East Coast. I thought, we'd, I thought we'd give you a break. Okay. Some laughter and all those guys. I mean, this stuff really works. I mean, why is it that you've got states like Tennessee and Texas and Florida that are going gangbusters? Because, they, well, a lot of reasons. But one is they have no income tax. <laughs> now, you'll have a 2.5% income tax rate, but that'll be... And by the way, the highest rate will be four and a half percent when you include the, uh, you know, that um, sure tax. But you know that that makes us very competitive with states like Colorado and Utah and Idaho. Um, and uh, look, I think the future is very strong for red states. I really do. I think we're going to continue to see people fleeing in the high crime, the crappy schools, the high taxes, the irresponsible government. And the lousy leadership of these states like California. You, you know, we got that from Illinois. I mean, it's an embarrassment. Yeah. I love Chicago. It's one of the great cities in the world. And they've destroyed it because they can't keep people safe. The kids have to go to the, these crappy schools. The, the uh, taxes are, you pay all these taxes for terrible services. So, 
That that's a hugely important point, and it can't be stressed enough. And maybe you need you need to talk about the Chicago you grew up in versus today. But Detroit right. wasn't always the Detroit we know today, and exactly. San Francisco wasn't always the San Francisco we know today. It, it it doesn't have to be that way. And I you know we have a few examples here and there of how you can turn things yeah. around. In the '90s, it was the mayors, right? It was people like exactly. uh, the mayor of Indianapolis and New York. Yeah. Who am I thinking of in right. Indianapolis? I'm blanking on his name. Oh, that was, uh, was that uh, Daniel? Yeah, uh, 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 yeah, one of them. Anyway, but anyway, it was the mayor's, I know, I know, I know the front porch stuff. Yeah, yeah. Steve something. By the way, did you see Seth? What happened in New York yesterday? That's right. That's right. I mean, that's a big deal. The pro uh, police, pro tax cut, pro uh, safety, and pro school choice. A candidate. Now he's not a conservative like you and I are. He's a you know. Oh, he's conservative enough for <laughs> for New York. He's a conservative. For York, yeah. For New York, he's. Really I'll take Ed Koch. You know. <laughs> AOC is not getting yeah. good night's sleep tonight. She's she's really pissed off. Oh, he called her out. He said she's oh, irresponsible. Yeah. yeah, no, this this could be a very good thing. But Steve, I think you're right about the red states. Uh, my only point was it was the mayors in the '90s. Steve Goldsmith was the name we were yeah. thinking of, right? It was the mayors in the '90s. I'm wondering if it's going to be the governors now, the red state governors now. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're getting the attention the mayors were back then, right? Yeah, I do. I think the, the uh, these red state governors. I mean, you've got superstars out there. You've, I think Deucey's doing a very good job. I think you look at uh, in obviously talking. Everybody's talking about Ron DeSantis in Florida. And by the way, you know Florida uh, DeSantis doing a great job because if you notice the New York Times and MSNBC, they beat him up every day because That's they're right. terrified of That's him. That's right. That's because right. his model has worked. He did not shut down the economy. Right. They actually had a lower death rate adjusted for uh, AIDS than California did. And California shut down everything. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in California, uh, Florida a number of times over the last few months. I mean, since since February, Florida's been open for business. I laugh when the you know, governor of uh, California uh, is saying, oh, in two weeks, we're going to be completely open. I'm mm-hmm. like, they've been open for four months yeah. <laughs> in Florida. What took you so long? I know. Wait, welcome to the party, pal, as John yeah. McClain said, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I only have you for another 40 seconds, but I'm glad you're working on this Arizona thing, uh, Steve. I'm glad that you guys at the Committee for Prosperity put this out. So people who want to know more, they can just go to committee to unleash prosperity.com. And uh, you were making some news on the Karen Taylor Robeson endorsement. You have about 15 seconds. You want to say one more word about her candidacy? Yeah, I've known Karen for about 15 years. I've worked with her on so many issues, and she is a a rock-solid conservative. And having a woman, I think, would be great for Arizona as well. I mean, I'm not one who usually cares about the gender of someone, but, you know, if we want to hold that seat in, in Arizona... We need we need to have. I think it'd be great to have a one. One other quick thing: yeah, people yeah. can get our hotline uh, for free. All I have to do is. Go, I hope you're getting it. That's I get time. it twice. I get it <laughs> twice every day, Steve. Well, if people want to get it, just go to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline, and I write that with John Fine and. Is John Fun part of that? He's great. Uh, Steve, that's great. Tell them all I said hi. And it's the only one I get twice that I don't complain about. That's how much I like it. I just want to make sure you get at least... Uh, Yeah, absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Godspeed to you. Good catching up. We'll talk to you again soon, Steve Moore. Thanks a lot, Uh, All right, be good. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. For all your roofing needs, I want you to check out 
My friends at Trades Unlimited, I had cause to use them recently, and it was great. I've gotten to know them, though. Of course, before I even used them, having uh, gone down to their warehouse and met the team before they signed on with uh, the show, they are just great people with a great work ethic, which is why Trades Unlimited has an A-plus rating at the BBB. I can tell you why. You meet them, you talk to them, you call them, and you'll know why. Right now, they're telling you about their work on foam roofs, which help insulate from the extreme heat here, but also from exterior noises and, most importantly, water leaks. Quality and service is what you'll come to know with Trades Unlimited. The hot summer sun is perfect for foam recoats. Protect your roof before the foam beneath the coating gets compromised. Don't wait until it's too late. Call my friends over at Trades Unlimited at 480-483-1775 or find them online at tradesunlimited.com for all your roofing needs. Steve is in Tampa. Hello, Steve. Hello, Seth. How are you? Oh, doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Good to hear. Uh, by the way, I had to tell you a couple, I think it was a couple weeks ago you were talking You were talking about the movie uh, Bananas with Woody Allen. Was I? That, okay. <laughs> if you say so, okay. <laughs> Anyways, you were, you were talking, I mean, I had, I had to tell you because there was one scene in there that you were, you were, uh, focusing on that's the one where woody allen after they had just defeated the after the rebels had just defeated the whoever it was there or the 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 current uh the leader hunt, of the yeah country. the hunter or whatever it was yeah 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 and the new guy steps in and and woody's standing next to the this guy there he says he goes uh yeah got to listen to what this guy is going to say. It's going to be real. It's going to be great. You know, we've been waiting so long for this guy, and he comes out on the balcony, and he, then he, and as you, as you were talking about, he was talking about how the official language of of Santa Domingo or wherever the country was, yeah, is right, going to be Swedish, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and how people were going to have to change their underwear twice a day and wear their underwear on the outside so they could check. Yeah, right, right, right. right. I swear, one of the funniest things, and then Woody. Woody, after hearing that, he leans over to the guy next to him. He goes, "He goes, what's the Swedish word for straitjacket?" Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Nice, anyway, nice I, memory. I, I, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Anyways, I had to tell you that that was just that was too funny. But anyways, um, something that's not not too funny related to the military is you know you were hitting on that in the last segment about the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. It just seems like these guys that are up in these high positions of authority in the military right now are becoming, you know, are placing a, a really high importance on being woke as opposed to what the military should be all about. And that's, that's defending the nation and, and getting the right people in there to do the job to defend the nation. And, and, uh, it, um, yeah, I know that that that's what's rubbing so odd right now. And it's kind of of yeah. a piece with those CIA and FBI and military recruitment videos we were airing commercials the commercials of a couple weeks ago. It's just it's not it's not what we thought the point of these institutions was what was. And when, you know, these heads of these institutions whether it's um uh uh, Mark Milley, or whether it's uh, Admiral Gilday of the Navy, you know, when they keep telling us we just want to understand um, the 
uh, we just we just want to understand things like white rage, which is what Millie said today, yeah. or as Gilday said last week, this is a level of self-reflection that I want our sailors to engage in. That's a direct quote. Yeah. This is a level of self-reflection I want our sailors to engage in. One has to wonder if we've become the Department of Psychiatry and Sociology or the Department of Defense. One really does have to wonder that. That is the first thing that we're just staring at with common sense and saying, really, this is what we're doing now? We're teaching post, uh, uh, we're teaching postmodern Marxism to our military recruits yeah. under the guise of understanding white rage and self-reflection? Yeah, exactly, Seth. And, 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 and this, uh, that Admiral... Was, was it Gildy? Uh, Gil, I think he pronounces it Gilday, G-I-L-D-A-Y, I think. And if I'm wrong, okay. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, he's talking about, you know, teaching these guys to be critical thinkers and things like that. I mean, I just don't... I don't As I, don't I understand, it was a pretty good system up until last year. Yeah, and, and I don't... I mean, the fact that... Um, I mean, these guys aren't aren't philosophy majors, you know, in a in a... You know, in a class up in the Northeast. I mean, these guys are are supposed to be trained killers. Well, it trained what... trained certainly to understand uh, the defense of the United States and how to do it. Uh, and right. whether, whether you ever have to kill someone or not is a, is is a question that may come up. But but I have to tell you, there is no point to this if you're going to just ape the sociology department of Harvard and Yale. There's just right. no point. No, there isn't, and and it and. Uh, just They're, have just have military training. Don't do military education. Right, right. And and what what is what possible purpose is it of understanding? I mean, I, I could kind of see what they're saying about understanding the mindset of your potential enemy or those countries that wish you harm or whatever. But but trying to study them and implement parts of what of their culture or whatever it is that they're trying that they're indicating that they they feel is important um and not so much maybe their culture but implicate or um putting in the the woke nature of of what a lot of these guys in the democrat party are preaching right now into the into the areas of military where it has no place in it and and that um you know just having having it you know, having a certain, you know, number of, you know, minorities in them, you know, putting numbers on things like that. I mean, who cares? You want to have you want to have a cohesive unit that's going to defend the nation. You want to have a, a philosophy that's going to protect the nation, protect the Constitution. That's what it's that's what its purpose. I, is. I, I, yeah, I, look, I think you're right. But but let's take one yeah. one 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 step further. I just yeah. don't think Audie Murphy had to read Mein Kampf to do what he did. I don't think <laughs> Jimmy Doolittle had to read philosophical tracts on Japanese imperialism to do what he did. And right. and right. and I don't want to, um, how shall I put this, uh, lower the credentials. And I'm perfectly happy to see any student in any school study political philosophy. God, please, yes, so that they understand when Marx comes, why it's bad. But that's not how this is being taught. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's being it's being it's being taught. It's, almost it's being like taught they're... because it's right, not because it's interesting. And I will tell you the other problem here. This is this is to me a problem. 
um, when the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, Mark Milley, General Milley, said, as he did today, I want to understand white rage, and I'm white. So he wants to understand white rage. Thus, he reads Ibram Kendi. I don't know that Ibram Kendi knows anything about anything except how to make money. But I want to understand white rage. I want to understand white rage. Everyone should want to understand a whole lot of things, perhaps including that. But isn't that an odd construction for the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff right now? Or is it, given everything Joe Biden has said? Zero nine six zero. Tina is in Star Valley. Hi, Tina. Hi. I, good to talk to you again, sir. You too. <laughs> yes, and and praise God, we have rain up here, and the pine strawberry fi- fire is getting some help. Oh, good. So, we had rain down here. Wanna... We had a lot of thunder. Yeah. Oh. You know what my oh, Brittany does please. with the thunder, though? She hates it, and I don't know why. Uh, because she, I've had yeah. her her whole life, and there's never been trauma, obviously. So I don't know why, but she likes to hide in the shower or in the bathtub. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, the chow, One time the she got stuck under a bed. One time she oh got gosh, stuck really? under a bed, yeah. yeah. Oh, heavens. Thunder yeah. and dogs. Well, I am just, um, I, I want to put in a, a really good word for everybody should go to and get the copy of Imprimus that I just got. Oh. Uh, the, the, the article is by Mark Stein, oh. and it's Our Increasingly Unrecognizable Civilization. Oh, oh it's so amazing. I bet it is. Amazing. I, I bet love it is. him. Yep. But really, seriously, everybody out there in Radioland, go and read this article, because it's so apropos of what you're talking about. You've got these, you know, effete poseurs who are, you know, oh, we have to look at white anger, white mm-hmm. rage. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like, okay, you know. Did you know there was I'm, a lot of white rage in this country? Well, you know. I'm Is that what you saw last angry. summer, by the way? Yeah. yeah two, right. two, billion, <laughs> two, $2 billion worth of damage, 30 people dead. Was that white rage? Uh, no. no. But I'm pretty angry now, so perhaps I'm catching Yeah, up. now we're getting it. Now um, we're giving him some. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. Um, although I, I have a, a wonderful cousin, you know, I'm from Hawaii, and my, my wonderful cousin, who's actually part Hawaiian, she said, Tina, we're not white anymore. We're Pacific Islanders. I guess and you're going to have okay. to. You're Jamaican, I thought. See? Yeah. No, no, I, I grew up in Jamaica, but I'm from Hawaii. So, I mean, Down in Jamaica, right? they've got. Okay, go ahead. You know that song. Yeah, and I do indeed, yes. So Mark Stein says, and just to, you know, to encapsulate it, we better get our act together because our military is doing this, you know, this this completely irrelevant and stupid stuff. And China is is girding its loins. Yeah, China war. isn't. Yeah, right, that's right. They are not teaching the military leadership in China about the virtues of capitalism and assigning Adam Smith and, and Frederick Hayek and saying we want right. to under. No, they we are. No, no. 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 no, and they're not they're not teaching self-hatred. No. Gold, <laughs> you know? Goldfinger did not it. assign James Bond a book on uh, metallurgy. He just wanted him dead. <laughs> yes. And what what is this? No, Mr. Bond, I want you to die. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, uh, but that's the point. That's the point. They're not engaging in these 
in these exercise of intellectual, I like your word, I'll use it, a feetness. But you know what? They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. Listen to your chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff today. He said, I'm reading directly from his uh, little monologue, I find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, general officers, commissioned and non-commissioned officers, of being, quote, woke or something else because we're studying some theories that are out there. This was started at Harvard Law School years ago, and it proposed that there were laws in the United States prior to the Civil War that led to a power differential with African Americans that were three-quarters of a human being and that we had a Civil War and Emancipation Proclamation to change it and brought up to the Civil Rights Act of 1964. On he goes with this history, Tina. That you didn't need critical race theory for. It was the same history you got. It was the same history I got. And it didn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't reliant on or needing to give thanks to Derek Bell at Harvard for giving us that history. That history was in all our history books. This is something entirely different. Entirely different. Right. This is, this is, this is Soviet style revisionist history, which we've all made fun of in the 50s. And now here we are, you know, doing it. Yeah. And China, meanwhile, China is going to eat our lunch. You I bet. Mean, seriously, we're 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 doomed. If right, we, because if they care on. about power, and we care about Dr. Seuss. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> really? No. But not even not even being fans of Dr. Seuss. No, that's that right. Yeah. No, we care about getting rid yeah. of Dr. Seuss, and they care about rid of getting right. rid of us. That's the difference. Right. Yeah. Well, go read it. Go read in Primus. I and will subscribe. Oh, it's so great. And I didn't get mine yet, about... uh, but I usually get it, and I <laughs> and I love yeah. Mark. You, you will. And I yeah. Love you too. Bye, Tina. Okay. Bye. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Solar Sandy, who I just saw recently at an event where she was giving checks, rebate checks, to a lot of her clients, people who had saved money from when they, from when they used to be paying the regular utility bill payments, and now they aren't, and the utility companies end up owing some of Sandy's customers Money. If you are thinking of going solar, Solar Sandy's who you want. She's the one who's actually figured out how to truly zero out your power bill. I know her whole operation. I met all her staff. They are great people who have brought integrity back to solar in Arizona. And if you sign up with Solar Sandy today, she will pay your power bills for one year and your solar panel payments for one year. And this is the last day you will receive a $1,000 bonus at signing if you reach out to Solar Sandy today. AskSolarSandy.com is her website. You can call her at 623-850-8229 or AskSolarSandy.com. I was saying in my monologue the other day that the phrase of the year might end up being critical race theory. It probably won't be COVID. It probably won't be vaccine. It might possibly be something else maybe having to do with the Olympics or 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 something unforeseen but as of right now the main cultural debate if someone were to write a cultural history of America over the last two years would involve this thing called critical race theory that a lot of people still have a lot of questions about and you hear these names thrown around Derek Bell at Harvard who um who Admiral uh, excuse me who General Mark Milley 
uh, mentioned today is where it came from. Yes, we said that, too. But General Milley, in describing it to Congress today, uh, gave, as I was just saying, a very stinting and awkward, if not irresponsible, history of what critical race theory is. He said critical race theory started at Harvard Law School years ago. That's true. In the 70s, it did. Uh, And it proposed that there were laws in the United States prior to the Civil War and laws since that uh, led to power differentials with African-Americans. And it led to a civil war and the Emancipation Proclamation and the Civil Rights Act and years and years and years of of, uh, fighting segregation to change it. And I have to tell you, I read that and I said, you know, that's a history I'm familiar with that I didn't need CRT for. That's the history we all grew up with, this notion that we conservatives, or if it's white people, um, as a as a as a as a what's the word I want synecdoche for conservatives, if that's what this is about, that we don't want to teach the slave part history of America, that's just false. We want to teach it. We have been teaching it, and we want to teach it for what it was, which was an abnegation and abdication of what our founders thought. We've been the ones trying to teach that history. You've been the ones trying to distort it. What do I mean distort it? By telling us we don't want that history taught. Of course we do. Why do you think we like Abraham Lincoln so much? Why do you think we like Frederick Douglass so much? Why do you think we got behind Martin Luther King? Because they brought us back to our founding, our founders, and the Declaration of Independence. Martin Luther King did not give his speech in front, his famous I Have a Dream speech, in front of a statue to Jefferson Davis. Jefferson Davis was the head of the slaveholding confederacy. He lost. The study of America is the study of defeating slavery, not, the, not, the, not that slavery prevailed here, but that it was defeated. And that it was held here, yes, by a minority of Americans and by a minority of American states. And a majority of Americans and a majority of American states and a majority of American soldiers fought it and won. And won. We want that history taught. We are the ones who believe if you don't teach the lessons of history, you're bound to repeat them. We are the ones who want to teach the origins of the Civil War. We are the ones who want to teach why Abraham Lincoln and our founding and our founding and our founding documents were so great. Don't tell me we're the ones trying to hide history. We are not. What's ironic is that you're using the loser Confederate history to interpret the founding of this country. What's ironic is that you read the founding as a great lie, which is what the Confederacy thought it was. That's why you've invented 1619, to give us a new date for our founding. This is part of critical race theory. It's not understanding the past. It's reinventing and changing it. That's the problem, General Milley. And I think it's great you know that it came out of Harvard and a professor there. But there's an awful lot that came out of Harvard, including a textbook on American history by a professor named Samuel Elliott Morrison called A Concise History of the American Republic, which was the standard history of the United States with updated revisions. And it has everything you've talked about. But it loved America and it loved the founding and it thought Abraham Lincoln was right. It didn't find scholars who came on the scene two years ago to upend 
226 years almost of American history. But that scholar, Ibram Kendi, is the scholar de jour who the Department of Education and who Admiral Gilday and General Milley want their soldiers and sailors to read. He has a piece in the current Atlantic called Our New Post-Racial Myth, Ibram Kendi does. And um, I'll tell you the games he plays. I'll tell you the games he plays. Um, Here's a paragraph. And now, even though Trump's ghastly presidency and the ghastly murder of George Floyd awoke many liberals to the need to build an anti-racist nation, many conservatives have seized on the post-racial myth to fight those efforts. They insist that anti-racism is anti-white. That insistence echoes the mantra coined by the longtime white supremacist Robert Whitaker in 2006 that anti-racist is a code word for anti-white. Now, I've been hip to this stuff for a pretty long time, I have to tell you. I think even longer than Ibram Kendi, if not as prolific for sure. And I didn't know who Robert Whitaker was. And if you Google him, you won't find him. Not very easily. Not very easily. So the best Kendi can do, the best Ibram Kendi can do is find something close to a 20-year-old article by someone no one's ever heard of saying anti-racist is a code for anti-white, which no anti-racist, conservative, or liberal I've ever met believes. Do better. Do better. I always like this time of year to tell the story of Gabby Gabaldon. I really do. It's a great story about America. And uh, it happened this time in 1944 in the island of Saipan when Marine Private Guy Gabaldon slipped out of a camp of his own and returned with two Japanese prisoners. His commanders told him that if he left his post again, he'd be court-martialed. But the next night, he disappeared and came back with 50 prisoners. At that, his superiors, his superiors said, let him go, lone wolf. Let him do whatever he wants. Gabaldon wasn't simply after prisoners. He was trying to save lives. American troops had stormed Saipan to break the Japanese defense line in the Pacific and secure a site for an air base. The Japanese tried to hold the island with desperate suicide charges, and Gabaldon figured out that more prisoners meant fewer casualties. Just 18 years old, Guy Gabaldon had learned street smarts from growing up in East L.A. He also knew some Japanese, thanks to a childhood friendship with a Japanese-American family. His strategy was simple. Working alone, he would creep up to an enemy-held cave or bunker, call out that the Marines were nearby, and assure the Japanese that they would be treated with dignity if they'd surrender. I must have seen too many John Wayne movies because I was, what I was doing was suicidal, Galbaldon later said, but his plan kept working. One day, Guy Gabaldon pursued some 800 Japanese soldiers to surrender and follow him back to the American lines. His astounded comrades nicknamed him the Pied Piper of Saipan. Before being wounded by machine gun fire, he captured 1,500 prisoners. His bravery earned him the Navy Cross, and Hollywood made a movie, Hell to Eternity, about him. But his greatest reward was knowing that in the midst of a bloody Pacific battle, he had single-handedly saved many American lives. How about we teach his story to the sailors and the students at West Point in Annapolis?
God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in and sharing some of your afternoon with us. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth Liebson, and class is dismissed.